0: The Old Testament can be daunting. There are difficult passages. Uh, There is a lot of time involved and cultural differences. And so it's not unusual for Christians to not feel very at home in the study of the Old Testament. Let me share with you three statements to think about as we begin. The Old Testament is in the New revealed. And the New Testament is in the Old concealed. One more time. The New Testament is in the Old. The New Testament is in the Old concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New revealed. Got it? Here is another statement to think about. A person who claims to know the New Testament without having a proper understanding of the Old Testament really knows neither. A person that claims to have a good understanding of the New Testament without having an appropriate understanding of the Old Testament knows neither. Because the two go together. It's one book. Two Testaments, but one book. And as we continue thinking about this, The Old Testament is not for our law, but most assuredly for our learning. The Old Testament is not for our law, but most assuredly it's for our learning. Now all I want to do tonight is to try to look at about two and a half, okay, we'll call them three, considerations concerning the Old Testament. Consideration number one has to do with the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right? I'll begin each one of the ideas here we'll be exploring together with this statement the Old Testament. All but one. We'll see if you're listening. The Old Testament was Christ scripture when he walked this earth the old testament was Christ scripture when he walked this earth and it is part of god's word Jesus calls the Old Testament the Word of God in Mark 7 and verse 13, when he speaks of those who by their tradition would make null and void the Word of God. He says, search the Scriptures, John five thirty nine, for they bear witness of me. Well, the Scriptures he was talking about was the Old Testament. And even today, when we look at our Bible, 75% of The Word of God is the Old Testament. If we love Jesus and we appreciate His love for Scripture, we too must love the Old Testament. All right? Another item to think about. The Word of God is deals with many teachings that are expanded and developed first in the Old Testament and more fully in the New. It makes no sense to say, I love the New Testament but never study the Old because isn't it the Old Testament that introduces us to God, to creation, to man, to sin to the human family, to sacrifice, to the priesthood, to prophets, and on we go. Each one of these teachings first mentioned and developed in the Old Testament is more fully developed in the New, isn't it? But we really can't understand all that's involved in these things without the Old Testament. Third, the Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God. God did not have a personality change between the Testaments. Sometimes people allege that in the Old Testament God was a God of law, and then you talk sweetly, but in the New Testament he's a God of love and grace. Yet when you look at the Old Testament, some of the most majestic and vivid and beautiful passages about the love and grace of God are found in the Old Testament. And certainly there are a number of mentionings of law and judgment in the New Testament. Bringing me back to my very point, the God of the Old Testament is also the God of the New Testament. And that's why we need to look at both Testaments, and benefit from both. Continue with me. As we talk about the relationship between the Old and New Testaments, the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament, does it not? The Old Testament points to Jesus and to the New Testament. Just a couple of passages. I'll get a couple of different fellows to read for us. Adam, if you'll read John one forty five. John one forty five. Carl, you take John 5.39. Tim, if you don't mind, brother, would you read Luke 24.27? Luke 24.27. John one forty five. Adam? Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found the one that the Old Testament pointed toward. All right? Carl? You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and in these are are they which testify of life. They testify, they bear witness of Jesus. Tim, thank you. In all the scriptures. So there is something in each of the basic parts of the scripture the law, the prophets, the psalms that's certainly going to point to Jesus Christ our Lord and the gospel that he would bring. That is. Those statements are not indicating that every word of the Old Testament and in every incident literally points to Jesus and the gospel, but they are progressively leading us closer, and many passages are speaking prophetically of Jesus and the gospel. Follow me? Continue. Old Testament revelation culminates, comes to an end with God speaking through Jesus. Jim Lorenz, if you don't mind, read Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2. Old Testament revelation culminates, it comes to an end with God speaking through Jesus and the gospel, the New Testament. God who and in divers manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, had in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also we made the world. Thank you. As in this, these last days, this final era, this Christian dispensation, he's spoken to us through Jesus. Hear him. Now, as we kind of bring this idea of the relationship between the old and new to a close and show how tightly wound together old and new really are, I want to bring this out. And I did this intentionally. I saved this one for last. Cody, if you don't mind, brother, turn to Matthew 5, 17 and 18. And the idea, quite simply, is this. The Old Testament was not destroyed by Jesus, but rather fulfilled. The Old Testament was not destroyed by Jesus, but rather it was fulfilled in him. Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one John or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Thank you. And going back to the Scripture reading we had at the beginning, Romans 15, verse 4. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. What I want to get across here is this. The Old Testament was not written to us in the same sense the New Testament is. But the Old Testament was written for us to learn. Not written to us like Matthew through Revelation. I understand that the letters were written to various special groups like people at Philippi, Corinth, and the like. But it's also fair to say that the New Testament was written to people today. Isn't that accurate? Now, having said that, the Old Testament is not written to us but for us, because we live in a different covenant time. We live in a different era, the Christian era, not the time of patriarchy or the time of the law of Moses, all right? But what was written was written for us and for our learning. So for us as opposed to to us directly. Now let me move to a second major consideration. The New Testament frequently shows the temporary design of the old. The New Testament frequently shows the temporary design of the old. And by that I mean that the old law was not intended to last. Everyone understand? It makes good sense. And what I'd like to do in this kind of preachy class type of time is look at seven passages. I could mention many more, but let's just go through the Word of God together and look at these passages which all are saying... The Old Testament was intended by God to be temporary in design, and that is something that we are no longer under. Romans is a marvelous book to look at in this regard, but look at Romans 7, verses 1 through 6 in particular. Romans 7, 1 through 6. We'll begin here, the first of seven. These are things that Christians should familiarize themselves with over time passages in the new testament that show the temporary uh, design the unbinding nature of the old testament for people today romans 7 do you not know brothers for i am speaking to those who know the law that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives A married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh... Our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code, English Standard Version. But now, but now... We are under Jesus and the gospel, the New Testament. Let's go to yet another passage, Romans, uh, rather Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'll try to give these in the order that we'll be examining them in your New Testament. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3. This is just a sampling of some of the passages indicating that the Old Testament was to be temporary in design and now something better has come along, something that had been in the mind of God from the beginning. Galatians 3:23 through 25. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. That's pretty strong, isn't it? The temporary design of the Old Testament. The law. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians Look at Ephesians chapter 2, consider verses 14 and 15 with me. For He, that is Jesus Himself, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, the Old Testament, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Colossians chapter 2. If you're taking notes, what number is this? Four. Colossians chapter 2. And this is just a, a sampling again of a number of passages that show this temporary design. Now think about it, because so many of the first Christians were Jews, right? And they had a very hard time seeing Jesus and his gospel because they were so entrenched in the old. Isn't that right? And yet we see this repeatedly in the New Testament, the temporary design intended by God for the Old Testament. And, of course, one of the biggest uh, early battles had to do with Judaizing teachers who were wanting to take various elements of Judaism and of the law and to try to coerce Gentile Christians to comply. These passages show that is a no-can-do because of the temporary nature by divine design of the old law in the first place. Colossians chapter 2. Let's notice verse 14. Verse 13 says, You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by counseling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You start to see a very compelling, ungetoverable overable case being made by Scripture for this idea That the Old Testament is inspired, the Old Testament is God's Word. Don't say that the Old Testament is insignificant. But the Old Testament was intended by God to be superseded. It had a design that was not intended to last because something better would come in Jesus and the Gospel. Turn to Hebrews turn to hebrews and let's just look at three passages from hebrews quickly because that's I said I'd give you seven so let's look at these hebrews 9 hebrews 9 15 to 17 hebrews 9 15 to 17 therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. A will takes effect only at death, since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. All of this indicating things that should be very familiar to Christians, but often isn't. For the new law to come into force, there had to be the death of the one who would bring this New Testament into action. Jesus. Two more passages. Hebrews 10.1 For since the law... Has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by these realities, by the sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, verse 2 says, Would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? Go down to verse 12, same chapter. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Go back to verses 9 and 10, same chapter, Hebrews 10. The Lord adds, Behold, I have come to do your will... He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, that brings me to a final idea. Having dealt with the relationship between the old and new, more could have been said there having dealt with seven passages that show the temporary design God intended for the Old Testament as we look at the New, let's talk a little bit about some invalid ways the Old Testament is used. Some invalid ways the Old Testament is used. Let's look at four or five. In the first place, The Old Testament ought not be used to tell anybody how to become a Christian. The Old Testament shouldn't be used to tell anybody how to become a Christian. Many here have heard something to this effect. All you need to do is live by the Ten Commandments and love God with all of your heart and you'll be fine. Isn't that right? Have you ever heard anything to that effect? I know that the, that, that's, that the great commandment is first found in the Old Testament. And the, the Ten Commandments, obviously, Exodus chapter 20. But the Old Testament is used invalidly when we are trying to tell somebody how to become a Christian because there's salvation in no other name under heaven other than whose? Acts 4 verse 12. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him, John fourteen six, And it is from the book of Acts especially and the letters that we find how one comes to Christ and how one lives as a Christian. The New Testament. Secondly, it's an invalid use of the Old Testament... To use it as authority for worship practices today. It's an invalid use of the Old Testament to use it as authority for worship practices today. Often one uses the Old Testament uh, in seeking to defend mechanical instruments in worship. Today, but it's an invalid use of the Old Testament if one understands the basic fundamental teaching of Scripture regarding the Testaments, the Old and the New. Many other things can be brought out here, but you know, the New Testament itself is the authority for how to worship God acceptably in this era. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. We read of New Testament singing and New Testament praying and opening of the Word and the observance of the Lord's Supper and the giving of our means. But a lot of relics of the past and the Old Testament simply are not found in the New And how they worshiped. A third invalid approach to the Old Testament that the Old Testament is a pattern for the church. It is true the Old Testament was written for our learning, but not in the sense that the New Testament is. It is written to us, and we are to conform to the pattern of the gospel. Let your manner of life be worthy of the Old Testament. Let your manner of life be worthy of the law. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, Philippians 1.27. couple of more invalid uses of the Old Testament. One to think about. It is an invalid use of the Old Testament, in my judgment, to study the Old Testament with no regard whatsoever for the New. It is an invalid use of the Old Testament to study it with no regard whatsoever for the New. Waylon, you handy? You don't mind reading one for me, do you? 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. Before you do it, some people can look at the Old Testament. Man, and it's, you know, if it's daunting to some of us and it can be confusing and it has to do with so many cultures, so many battles, so many kings, so many prophets, so many problems, some people just eat that stuff up. Now read 2 Timothy 1, 9, and 10, In the study of the law, the study of the Old Testament should do what? Read, please. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our words, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished Death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Our study of the Old Testament should be understanding the progressive revelation concept. God gradually unfolded His word, but I don't want to be an expert in the piecemeal and forget the point that the piecemeal pointed to the Lord. That brings me to the fifth area. It is an invalid use of the Old Testament to use it to try to impress people with our knowledge rather than to express love for God and the fact that we want to know Him better. As a preacher... I can struggle with this, and I suspect I am not alone. In fact, I know that I'm not. But any good thing can be twisted and perverted because of pride, can it? And I think that Old Testament knowledge is one of those areas where some people have probably let it make their head big, but I'm not sure it's made their heart bigger and closer to Jesus. Do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that ignorance of the Old Testament is okay, but I suspect you can know all the kings of the northern kingdom and all the kings of the southern kingdom and all of the judges and still not live right with God. But only when that information helps people to know God better, to love Him more, and to serve Him more greatly. That's what God wants His Word to do. Amen? So don't say Mike is discouraging our kids from learning kings or judges. Mike is not. Mike is also encouraging our kids to make sure they know why God put judges in the first place in the Bible and know why there's kings and know why the Lord is our ultimate judge and why He's the King of kings. That is why we study the Old Testament. Thank you for listening. Let's all pray. God, thank you for the time that we've been able to think about your Word as a whole and yet even the two big parts that make the whole Bible the Bible as we know it, the Old Testament and the New. Help us to learn greatly from the Old Testament. But help us to be people of the New who know your will and how to help people know you more, love you more, serve you better, all out of the fact that they are in awe of the grace and mercy and love you've displayed in Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. We're about to sing our song of encouragement tonight, and the New Testament tells one how to become a Christian. When you look at the New Testament, it speaks of the necessity of faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it speaks of the necessity of repentance Acts 17.30, and turning from the old ways of sin and wanting to go God's way, it speaks of the necessity of baptism. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. If there were never another passage in the New Testament about salvation than those three, we would still need to be people who have expressed faith and repentance and were baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That would be enough, wouldn't it? But God has given us so much more. For those of us who are Christians, let's be students of the book, period. Amen. Amen. But let's also make it a point to especially try to master the New Testament so that the New Testament will master our lives. Let's stand and sing.